We have a Huberto Barkoff combination. This could get interesting. Huberto. Yeah, Barkoff. Barkoff for the win. Score! Alexander Barkoff makes it eight in a row for the Florida Panthers. Welcome to Project Panthers, a weekly podcast discussing your Florida Panthers. Now, here's your host, Brunswick. What a week, what a week, what a week. I'm your host, Brunswick. The show is Project Panthers, and oh boy, what a week it has been in Panthers territory. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, that means you found me on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other major podcast platform out there on the World Wide Web by searching Project Panthers. And remember to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, also by searching Project Panthers. We actually had our best week in listenership ever last week, so thank you so much for making that happen. Without you listeners, none of this is possible, so thank you, thank you very much. The Cats, the, the winning streak is over. They're still sitting at a very respectable 8-0-1. They're still on top of the, the entire league. Quite the news cycle for the Panthers uh, and Pantherland during this week. Former head coach Joel Quenville stepped down. Andrew Brunette took over. And on top of that, the team is uh, trying to win games. So let's see just how they got to that 8-0-1 record. And I, I got to confess, before Game 5 versus the Flyers, I didn't get to watch this game with my full attention. As, as my wife and I, we were moving into our new home. So the entire weekend was spent moving and unpacking. And I did my best to pay attention and make mental notes. So please, please do not rake me over the coals for this one. Bobrovsky was in the goal for this one after uh, picking up his 300th win in his last appearance. And the Panthers, they get their first look at former Florida Panther, Keith Yandel, in a Flyers jersey. Sonk. First thing I'll say is that uh, the Flyers, first thing I noticed, very first thing, right off the bat, they're noticeably better at, at moving the puck from their own zone this season. I, I didn't watch a lot of them last year, but in previous seasons, the Flyers, they've struggled with foot speed and puck control from their back end. The additions of uh, Ristolainen and, and Yandel, they should help with moving the puck up the ice for sure. And Ryan Ellis is another name that was acquired last year from the, from the uh, Predators. He's been battling some injuries early on at the start of the year, but he will definitely help them in that regard as well throughout the year. Uh, with his guy, exactly three minutes left in the first period of this game, though, uh, the Cats, they get on a power play. It takes less than five seconds to click as Ekblad finds Huberto on the sideboards after a nice little face-off win. Huberto just winds up his wrister and blows it past Carter Hart. Patty Hornquist in front with the screen definitely helped that puck get past Carter Hart. Panthers take a 1-0 lead into the dressing room, but less than five minutes into the second, the Flyers, they get their own man advantage. And they also capitalize on this one when Captain Claude Giroux tees up from the top of the circle and blasts it over Bob's right shoulder to tie the game at one Cats got caught with three men on one side of the ice, two of those being Barkov and Lundell. This left Giroux wide open on the far side of the ice with all the time in the world to take a shot, and Cloud's teammates, they did a good job getting in front of the Bob. It's not much you can do on that one. Uh, special teams was definitely the story for most of this game, and the Cats, they were on the wrong end of this one again. Sam Reinhardt on a Panthers power play. He gets stripped of the puck at the Flyers' blue line. Everyone on the Cats is moving the wrong direction, except Cam Atkinson on the Flyers. He's going the other way. And we all know he's got serious wheels on him last year watching him in Colum- against Columbus eight times, right? He breaks in all alone on Bobrovsky from center ice, former teammates. He beats him 5-0 with a move I'm sure he's beaten with, beaten him with in practice many times before. Flyers take the 2-1 lead. This is not a great play from Rhino. 
But uh, honestly, these kind of things happen. And with a high-geared offense like this where everyone's trying to go, go, go at all times, especially on a power play, this is, this is inevitable. Like Thanos, inevitable. Um, Bob comes up huge on a Flyers power play late in the second period. Makes a couple of massive stops. Uh, keeps the lead to one. And thank goodness he did because as the period winds down, under 30 seconds to go, Mackenzie Wieger, he breaks into the Flyers zone, tosses a backhander towards the net, and Owen Tippett is Johnny on the spot on the back door. Um, puck gets in past a sprawling Carter Hart to tie the game at two. They looked at this goal for a second to see if there was a kicking motion since it went off of Tippett's skate, but it's a good goal tie game. It kind of felt like deja vu in the third, but with the roles reversed. Flyers, they were on the power play. They are working the puck around before Keith Yandel, yes, that Keith Yandel, he passes the puck to literally nobody on the far boards. Nobody, not a soul to be seen. Bounces off the boards. Bennett and Huberto are off to the races. Bennett finds the seam to Huberto. He walks in all alone on Carter Hart. Kataha makes a gorgeous pad save before Hubi picks up the puck behind the net. Banks it off of Hart from, from behind the net. Gives the Panthers a 3-2 lead on the shorthanded goal. This is a great effort by Huberto here. He stuck with the play. Got the goal, second of the night. Really great effort by him and Bennett on this goal. Panthers do a great job holding the lead for the rest of the game. Bob comes up huge with some really nice saves. Um, his pads are working magic this season. Reinhardt, he has the empty netter to make up for his little earlier blunder. Cats keep rolling with a 4-2 victory, and they move to 5-0-0. Um, shorthanded goal was the real main takeaway for me on this one. Huberto made a great play to, uh, to get open for the pass from Bennett. Uh, he, he's a notoriously slow starter, as we all know. And even when he starts slow, he's still getting assists. But, you know, him getting this, these two goals, including the game winner, this is a good shot of confidence for him. So nice to see the Cats get a win against a very formidable offense of Philadelphia. Very. So holding them to two goals. Bob and company doing the job. Game six versus the Coyotes um, against the winless Arizona Coyotes, where uh, former Panther Anton Strawman was moved to in the offseason from the Cats. Glad to see Straw still get some minutes in Arizona. Consummate professional, that guy. Really liked his time in Florida, even though it still seemed like injuries were hampering him a bit. So nothing but success and love for Anton over in uh, in Arizona. Coyotes are struggling, though, this year. As expected, 0-4-1 um, to start in their first five games. Shorthanded, though, they have been beyond abysmal. They have only managed to kill, going into this game, they had only managed to kill four of their 11 power plays successfully. That means they gave up seven power play goals. That's over the course of their first five games. That is, yikes. Ouch. But this is a trap. This has trap game written all over it. Like, it really does. Panthers are undefeated. Coyotes are winless. It all just seems too convenient. We have seen this story before. We found out prior to this one that Anton Lindell would be sitting this one out with an upper body injury. We also got the news that Spencer Knight would be making his second start of the season. Jumbo Joe... Back in the lineup as well for this one. Early on, Anthony Duclair finds Carter Verhage streaking in the middle of the ice, but he just can't get the stick on it on a bouncing puck, and Carter Hutton handles the potentially dangerous chance easily. Cats playing some tight defense to start this one as the Coyotes had their first shot attempt at the 5.30 mark of the period. So almost 15 minutes into the game, the Coyotes had their first shot on goal. This is to be expected with the Coyotes icing one of the least competitive rosters in the NHL this season. But in the NHL, anyone can beat anyone on any night. It's hockey, after all. And to see the Panthers respecting these opponents to this degree where they're clamping down so hard defensively, that's nothing but a good thing. That's what good teams do. 
They don't take any opponent lightly. Cats start generating a couple other chances. Most of the first line doing work, but Hutton, he makes any save he needs to. The story to start this game was the Panthers' defense, though, completely locking down the Desert Dogs, who, might I add, look absolutely amazing in their Kachina jerseys. That was such a killer look in the 90s. I love that it's come back and they've brought it back permanently. They're like weird maroon colored jerseys were just like like maroon sand. Like I don't even know what that was. Awful. Much better choice going back to this style. But anyway, the Cats playing absolutely suffocating defense. Like I said earlier, their first shot coming 15 minutes, almost 15 minutes into the game. Even with the Coyotes struggling, they're, they're still an NHL team and, and the Panthers are just dominating them defensively despite nothing to show on the score sheet. But none of that matters because the Cats get caught pressing too hard offensively. Uyghur's shot gets deflected slightly by Clayton Keller. Uyghur is too far into the offensive zone and gets caught near the top of the circle. Nick Schmaltz pick up, picks up the errant shot and finds Keller, who is now about 20 feet past Uyghur. Keller's all alone on the one-on-one against Spencer Knight from just about center ice, much like Cam Atkinson in the previous game. Makes a pretty little move and finishes five-hole on Spencer Knight for the one nothing lead on the very first shot of the night for the Coyotes. That was their first shot. Yeah, yeah. It was a big one. Big one. Uh, Panthers get a power play late in the first to try and tie it, and they do just that. Second unit gets on after the first unit struggles to get anything on net. Weger gets the puck to the net. Reinhardt picks up the rebound and finds Jumbo Joe wide open to tie the game. Thornton's first goal as a Florida Panther. Coyotes are now 4-for-12 on the penalty kill to start the season. Period ends 1-1 despite the Panthers leading in the shot advantage 11-1. to That's right, 11-1 to was the shot advantage. At the start of the second, Carl Vimelka is in goal for the Coyotes as Carter Hutton, he uh, leaves the game with a lower body injury. Vimelka in his rookie season, just like Spencer Knight, so a couple of newbies facing off to finish this game. A little over five minutes into the second, Hornquist finds Brandon Montour on the far side of the Coyotes' net. One times the pat. One times the pass into Hutton. The puck bounces around the front of the net before Frank the Tank Vitrano gets his stick on the puck and beats Hutton for the 2-1 lead. Montour gets his second assist of the night on Frank Vitrano's first goal of the season. You could see the uh, the monkey jump off his back after he scored this one. Hopefully that uh, starts a trend for the ever-so-streaky Vitrano. Just under 10 minutes to go, and Radko Gudis throws a hit, a hard hit on Coyotes defenseman Connor Timmins. Timmins goes down... Flat, like immediately. He seems to favor his knee. Ryan Zingle does not appreciate that, so he jumps in and challenges the butcher to a fight. They go at it, and Zingle gets the extra two minutes for instigating. This was this was a real hard hit. I don't think it was dirty. I don't think it was anything malicious. Gudis is just a big guy, and Timmons seemed to to have just the wrong part of his body facing the hit, and it just it just happened. It's one of those hockey plays, unfortunately. On that ensuing power play, though, Aaron Ekblad te- tees up a point shot and blasted past Vimelka for the 3-1 Panthers lead. And their st- second power play goal of the night. I have talked about their pen- the Coyotes' penalty kill. I don't need to beat a dead horse. It is bad. It is really, really bad. Um, third period starts really chippy. Coyotes showing a bit of their physicality in this one. Panthers are there to match them, though. They are, they are a big team, and it shows. They are not afraid to throw the body around. And Coyotes are doing that, and so are the Panthers. Seven minutes in, Huberto finds himself on a two-on-O with Sir Samuel of House Bennett. And Bennett takes the pass from Hubie and sends it right back to him. Tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac. Toe, this completely fools rookie Vimelka. Huberto pet taps in the easy goal for his third goal in two games. 4-1 Panthers. Just total domination at this point by the Cats. Outshooting the Coyotes 34-13. to 
within 10 minutes to go in the third period. Just a suffocating, dominating game from the Panthers. But, what's that? A little bit of life. A little bit of life from the Coyotes with under 10 minutes to go as Liam O'Brien gets a pass from Christian Fisher and the Halifax and Nova Scotia-born winger picks the corner just over Knight's shoulder for his second career NHL goal. This was a laser-targeted shot. I think the only person that saw this spot was O'Brien, and he nailed it. It was... Mwah. I I rarely give that much love to a opposition's goal, but oh my, it was a beautiful shot. And I hope he didn't walk away from the game after that goal, because just 34 seconds later, Ilya, Ilya Lubushkin, he finds a wide-open Phil Kessel after Connaughton overcommitted to, his, to him trying to play Lubushkin. Kessel is... By himself, by a long shot. He fakes backhand, goes forehand, beats Knight, and suddenly this dominating performance by the Panthers is only a one-goal game. And this is what I meant when I said you need to expect respect your opponent every night. And they did for about 50 minutes. They got a 4-1 lead, and they took their foot off the gas. And this is what it was. But the Desert Dogs, they did not stop there. All credit to the Panthers, though. They ramped up their game, and they, they were there to manage... Um, or to match that intensity, and they they survived the onslaught of pressure coming from the Coyotes. Spencer Knight he made a couple of big saves down the stretch, including a nice save on Phil the Thrill Kessel. Coyotes they pull Vimelka late to uh, throw out one last ditch effort, but the puck gets free to Barkov. He finds Uyghur, who finds a home free Anthony Duclair. Duke scores the insurance goal, second empty netter of the year. Panthers win 5-3. Spencer Knight with his sixth straight win to start his career. Only three goaltenders have started their careers winning more consecutive games. Panthers improve to 6-0-0 and sit atop the Atlantic Division. Main takeaways from this one, Sam Bennett. He remains a mainstay in this offense. Doesn't seem to be slowing down at all. Two assists in this one and continuing his offensive output. He's such a buzzsaw out there, especially on offense. He's always noticeable whether it's in front or of the net causing a ruckus or in the corners working hard. He's become such an essential part of this team's personality so quickly that it really speaks volumes to the scouting report the Panthers staff had on Bennett. I don't think they could have even predicted him fitting in this well. This is best-case scenario. This is such a good scenario that you probably wouldn't even think about it happening this playing out this well. And also having Huberto and Barkov split up, it shows the value in games like this. For so long, the Panthers were a one-line team with little to no firepower beyond those that one line. Obviously, a lot of new personnel has come in, and those times have changed, and, and having those two split up makes this team so much more formidable. On a night like this where Barkov and company aren't really lighting up the score sheet, you have Huberto in his line. They just tear it up behind them. They are, interta- they are interchangeable first lines, and, and that is a strength that almost no teams have in this league. To have two first lines? That's, on, that's, uh, what? That's a silly phrase to even say. This, this puts the Cats in a really unique position. And basically, regardless of matchup, they can always have a line out there against a team's lesser players. GM Zito, I know that you know this, but please re-sign this man. We can't lose Huberto, especially at this stage of the game. Game number seven, lucky number seven of the season was against the Bruins. First of two meetings in three games against the two teams or with the two teams this week. Um, Bruins look a bit different this season, losing a bit of grit on their bottom lines. Also, David Krejci, uh, longtime Bruin David Krejci, choosing to close out his career in hometown, in his home country of the Czech Republic, which, by the way, he is dominating. He's got about nine goals and 
15 points in his first 15 games or something like that. Doing pretty well in his hometown. Loving life. Can't blame him. Uh, also, their goaltending situation is a bit all over the place. Tuka Rask, he's still out with, uh, after taking part in an off-season surgery. Uh, new Bruin, Linus Allmark, he got the start in this one against Sergei Bobrovsky. Bob looking to continue his hot streak, to, uh, hot start to the season. Cats go for win number seven to kick off the campaign. Panthers are one of 25 teams in NHL history to start the season 6-0-0 and looking to go further into the record books with a win in this one. And it gets off to a wonderful start for the Cats as under two minutes into the game, Aaron Ekblad takes a deflected shot right off, right from under the visor and quickly goes off the ice into the dressing room. So wonderful start for the Cats. Just, mm, just so good. Um, just 45 seconds later, the Panthers get to showcase their 11th ranked penalty kill when Mason Marchman gets called for holding. Bob comes up with a couple of huge, huge saves. Cats killed off. Not only do they kill off the penalty, but also Aaron Eck Blatty returns to the ice. So a collective sigh of relief from Panthers. Faithful, once again, Mr. Eck is back. Halfway through the first period, the Bruins are controlling this game. 11-2, the shots kind of mimicking the Coyotes game from before, but <laughs> the other way around. Um, they're kind of doing what they want on the ice. Not since game one against the Penguins have the Panthers been challenged like this, and the Bruins are relentless. And their relentlessness pays off as Charlie Coyle harmlessly throws a puck to the front of the net. The puck deflects, deflects twice, once off Tippett, once off Bob, and it goes in. We've seen these fluke goals way too often this season. Bob's numbers should actually be way better than they are, all things considered. It's not his fault, but his numbers are paying for this fluky goals happening, right? It's weird. Bruins continue to dictate the play, but the Cats, they stick with it. They don't get discouraged. They get a little bit of pressure in the Bruins zone, and Sam Reinhart scoops a puck off the sideboards. He finds Mason Marchman in the slot, rips it past Allmark to tie the game at one. This is Marchman's first goal of the season. Reinhardt extends his point streak to five games. Later on, Taylor Hall, he turns on a diamond to get away from Bennett behind the Panthers' net and feeds to Nitschka. But Bobrovsky, he's there to make, in great positioning to square up the shot and rob the Windsor Ontario born forward. This is a position that we did not see from Bob before this season. He's big in his net. He's oozing confidence right now. When a goalie with his style is challenging players with confidence, he's going to look gigantic to you on net, in net at center ice or at ice level. It's they look like a bus out there when they're challenging you like that. If you're a player facing Bob and he's coming at you like this, the net looks puny to you. There's nothing to shoot at. Bob's leaning into his strengths again, and, and be, he believes in himself. Enough that he's executing at the highest level we've seen in a Panthers jersey. Panthers come out much better in the start, to start the second period. Bennett and Huberto both missed the net on a couple of chances, and Ulmer got caught out of position, but less than a minute after that, Sam Reinhardt throws the puck in front. Etu Louis Starnin, he is there. Puck hits his knee, taps it in, goes in. Easy goal, number one of the season for him. Reinhardt and Forsling, they get the two assists. Two-point nights for both of them. Forsling now with six assists in his first seven games to start the season. Bruins come right back, but Bob robs Brad Marchand with a kick save to keep the Cats ahead. Joe Thornton takes a cross-checking penalty, but uh, on the PK, Huberto and Bennett for the second straight night find themselves on a two-on-O. They draw a penalty in the process, but they fail to score on this glorious opportunity. So, Ah, the tic-tac-toe didn't work so much this time. It's okay. Can't win them all. Panthers, they look like a totally different team in this period, though. Bruins not doing so much for this for most of this period. They got outshot 14-2 to before they come alive with about three minutes left to go. They fail to score, though, and the Cats still manage to take a 2-1 lead into the third period. 
Now, the Cats, they enter this third period as the highest scoring third period team in the league, but the Bruins shut the Cats down and going back to their game plan, going, by going back to their game plan from the first period. Very suffocating, very relentless pressure, constant, constant, constant. Seems to work against this Panthers team. Bruins, they pull Allmark with about three minutes to go. But the Panthers, they do a great job of clogging up the shooting lanes and covering their man. They're really good with that With that, when the other team has their opposition out, goaltender pulled and they have the extra man there. They do a really good job of having their sticks in lanes and being active on the ice instead of just being stationary pylons to work around. Bobrovsky, he made another couple of big, big saves at the end. Owen Tippett cements the victory with the empty net. The Panthers become the 14th team in NHL history to win their first seven straight games. Main takeaways from this one, Bobrovsky. He uh, he stoned the Bruins time after time in this one again. They were all over them in the first, and Bob stood tall for the win. He's, he's playing like a Vesna candidate. Like an actual Vesna candidate. His numbers are insane right now. He's got a save percentage above 940 and a goals against average below two right now. I mean, that's, we were hoping, I remember last year being happy that Bob finished with a save percentage above 900 last season. I was just happy with that. So to see this kind of improvement from him, real special. And the third line, they stepped up big. Reinhardt, he created tons of chances. He's been dropped down to the third line. Some might think of that as a demotion, but I think it just gives him a chance to play against lesser players and show his skills. You know, he's Create, he created chance after chance tonight. They were all buzzing around all evening. The depth of this team is is really shown in games like this where you have Sam Reinhardt playing on your third line and the other two lines aren't killing it so much, but your third line is now killing it. So we've saw, seen three consecutive games where the first line was huge, the second line was huge, and now the third line is huge. So can't say enough about this team's, this team's death. You really can't. I just wanted to uh, throw in a disclaimer. I will now be talking about the sexual assault charges laid against former Chicago Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich um, and the investigation that came to light this week. So if you are one of those people that is uh, affected by this sort of discussion and uh, it's difficult for you to hear, please jump ahead about five minutes from this disclaimer. Um, I will be back to talking about the team and how it affects the team and how the team can progress going forward. So please, if you need to jump ahead about five minutes, that'll clear you of any of these this, this uh, discussion. Now, before the Bruins game, there was some significant news that had dropped in the NHL. On Tuesday, the investigation out of the sexual harassment lawsuit filed against the Blackhawks was made public. In this investigation, Coach Joel Quenville, who was the head coach at the time of the Chicago Blackhawks when this alleged assault took place, was mentioned numerous times in the report and under some quite damning circumstances. If you're not familiar with what happened in this case, former Chicago Blackhawks video coach Brad Aldrich assaulted a Blackhawks player who we now know to be former 11th overall draft pick Kyle Beach somewhere around May 8th or 9th, 2010. The victim claims the encounter was entirely non-consensual consensual, and according to the report Aldrich told Beach that he would never play in the NHL or walk again if he didn't and I quote act like he enjoyed the sexual encounter end quote Aldrich proceeded to force himself onto Beach over the next week Kyle Beach confided in his skill coach 
And from there, the situation escalated until much more prominent members of the Chicago Blackhawks front office and coaching staff became involved. This includes now former Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman, who stepped down earlier this week, head coach Joel Quenville, and a plethora of other people, including team sports psychologist slash counselor Jim Gary, who later went on to blame Beach for the assault, claiming that he must have been, and I quote, asking for it, end quote. In the report, as I mentioned, Quenville's name is thrown around quite a bit. He's mentioned as specifically saying he didn't want this news to mess with his team's chemistry and disrupt their chances at a Stanley Cup, which they did eventually win. But only after the Blackhawks did everything they could to sweep this case under the rug. Not a soul in that organization came to this 20-year-old's aid, and it's sickening to think about. Aldrich was eventually let go by the Hawks only after again making sexual advances to a member of the Blackhawks, this time a 22-year-old intern. I guess by then, they just couldn't ignore it anymore and decided to part ways. What a joke. After all this, Quenville gave Aldrich a glowing review that allowed him to get work with USA Hockey just five months after leaving the Blackhawks organization. Here is what Joel Quenville said about Aldrich in an unsigned performance review obtained by Shar and the Independent Investigators. And I quote, Brad did a great job to accommodate the coaches preparing for staff meetings and their everyday needs. I believe going forward, Brad can be more efficient by being in a separate working environment and not in the middle of constantly being disturbed. End quote. In his last performance evaluation dated June 29th, 2010, this is after Aldrich was separated, had separated from the team, so Quenville was well in the know as to what happened. Quenville wrote, and I quote, Aldridge did a great job for the coaching staff in preparing us for all of our meetings and coordinating several tasks that we forward his way. Brad has several people relying on him at the same moment and has a way of deflecting and accommodating everyone at once. Congrats on winning the Stanley Cup. End quote. I find this to be quite disturbing. Quenville actively knowing what Aldrich did and still giving him a positive review, allowing him to seek and obtain employment elsewhere. Great fucking job, Q. This guy went on to assault other people, including a 16-year-old kid. Now, we all knew it was coming, and it had to happen. Q had no chance. The evidence is far too damning, and honestly, he deserves this. He, along with many, many other people, failed Kyle Beach in a bad way. It is a shame he put winning over something like this. He coaches a team of what is supposed to be professional athletes. So they should be able to act professionally if something as heinous as this came out about one of their coaches and what he did to a fellow teammate. Would that have been hard on the team? Sure. But that doesn't matter one bit. The team, the staff, the NHLPA, they failed Kyle Beach and now heads are rolling. And as they should, I would love for nothing more than to see all the dirty laundry aired about this league. The NHL is an old boys club filled with old boys that want to do things the way old boys have been doing shit since day one. It's been this way for decades. Taylor Hall called it an old boys club in the news earlier this week. Power to him. He's right. It's a problem. It's a systemic problem problem and this is a direct result of a systemic problem in this league 
It's a culture issue. And nothing will change unless you change those who are involved. I don't care what anyone says. Nothing can justify Q staying on as coach. And to be honest, he had no business coaching against Boston in this game. My guess is that the team, they they were giving him one last goodbye behind the bench. But honestly, did he even deserve to get that? I don't think so. His Hall of Fame coaching career is tarnished and, and ruined forever. All because he chose to protect some scummy, predatorial video coach so as to not cause unrest with his team. I'm just glad he chose to resign instead of forcing the Florida Panthers to get rid of him. At least he made it easy on them, but who knows what was said behind closed doors. My thoughts go out to Kyle Beach and and honestly any other victims of sexual assault. Events like this just continue to bring to light the fact that we as a society haven't caught up everywhere. Some places are still living in the dark ages where victim blaming and covering things up is the only answer they know. I have nothing but respect for Kyle Beach for having the courage to step forward. I can't imagine how difficult that was for him and how difficult this entire experience has been. We need to make those involved accountable because if we don't have accountability, what do we have as as a society? Now, with that out of the way, we we have a team at the center of this that is 7-0-0. It's the best start in franchise history by a long shot. This will undoubtedly rattle them. How could it not? I think they respond in one of two ways. They either crumble in on themselves and the change is too much for them, or they rally around each other and continue this momentum. My money's on the latter. They're just too good, way too damn good. I think they've all learned a ton from Q, and they know how to apply it. It sucks because it really seems like Zito and Q had a good system of finding castaways and turning their careers around. But I also think a bigger part of that is the locker room. And Q had to go because his actions were deplorable. And I don't care if he won five straight Stanley Cups with this team and this came out. He's got to go no matter what. No matter what, he had to go. But all the guys, they talk about the energy the positivity, and the overall mood of the locker room. It seems like guys, they really build each other up. They believe in each other as teammates. It's huge, and it cannot be overlooked. And they've, they've gotten to the point where bringing anyone in yields a real good chance of a turnaround. I mean, look at Sam Bennett. He looks like the happiest guy on the team by a long shot. Just having fun with the boys. This team is really freaking good. And I don't think it matters who's coaching them. Well, except maybe John Tortorella. Listen, Torts gets success with this style, but this is not the coach the Panthers need. There's some rumors floating around about him. Kevin Weeks threw his name out there. I don't know. They're they're past the evolution point as a team, though, that needs a coach like Torts. They're a mature bunch, and they play solid hockey, and that's not what Torts specializes in at this stage of his career. He's the guy you bring in to get a bunch of underachieving bums to get their act together. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs could really use a head coach like John Tortorella. But the Panthers are there. They're right there. Bob is playing like he's going to win his third Vesna. Yeah, that's right. I just said it. They just need someone to guide the ship and provide adjustments when needed. They don't need some massive overhaul of philosophy and change, and that's what Torts brings. Also, on top of everything, Torts and his relationships with players that the team has made commitments to, like Bob and, and Anthony Duclair, it's, he's made public his feelings on those two guys, and, and also how he treated Barkov's best friend in, in uh, Patrick Laine. I think Zito would be a fool to bring him in, and it would be the first mistake 
he makes as a GM. But honestly, Kevin Weeks has been wrong with his rumors before, and I, I hope that's the case again here. Now, with everything out of the way, the Andrew Brunette era begins for the Florida Panthers. The interim head coach status has been put on him. He has been upgraded from assistant coach to interim head coach for the time being. No word on what the team will be doing just yet as a coaching decision. I assume they want to see how Brunette handles the situation moving forward. Panthers, they were back back on the road against the Detroit Red Wings in Game 8 of the year. Cats... Saw a lot of this team last year in their division, and there was definitely some bad blood brewing between uh, these two teams by game 800. So maybe we'll see some more of that in this one. Bob got the start against Nadelkovich, who surprisingly was not tendered an offer by Carolina in the offseason and ended up signing with Stevie Y in Detroit. Very surprising play, um, turn of events there. Red Wings, they came up with some purpose in this game pressuring extensively at the start of the first and creating a couple of really high danger chances that Bob makes one save on and he gets lucky with another when Tyler Bertuzzi just sweeps it wide past the empty net off a fortuitous bounce from the end boards. Panthers survive the early onslaught and start finding their feet. Huberto gets stopped on a breakaway, but not long after, Atulio Starnin wins the draw back to Montour, who finds Marcus Nudivara in his first game back from uh, some early season injuries. He gets a shot to the net. Louis Starnin makes a slick little redirection to beat Nadelkovich for the 1-0 lead. Third line once again getting rewarded for going to the net. Starboy's second goal in as many games. Cats take a penalty late in the first, but they manage to kill it off before Anthony Duclair. He finds himself on a partial break, loses the puck, but makes up heads-up play to backhand the puck back towards the net. A no-look pass. Nadelkovich, he loses sight of it. Barkov is there to tap it in. 2-0 Panthers lead. With seconds to go... Wings rookie Lucas Raymond makes a sweet little move to get in on Bobrovsky all alone, but Bob is there, steps up, makes a gorgeous glove save to preserve the two-goal lead into the second, going into the second period. Panthers probably don't have any business being up by two, but Bob was once again a wall in net to bail out a struggling defense. For some reason, Ekblad and Uyghur, they played almost 11 minutes, and Uyghur got beat badly by Raymond in the, that last minute for that glorious opportunity, and I think fatigue may have been a result of that. Just over two minutes into the second, though, The Red Wings, they do get one back as Troy Stetcher, he throws a puck on net from the sideboards that bounces off of Gagne's leg and past Bobrovsky to make it a 2-1 game. Teams exchange chances throughout the period. Marchman, he hits a goal post. Bob again makes a couple of really nice saves. I feel like I could just have a little hotkey button here that just says, really big save, really big save, like really big shoe, really big, really big. Really big save. Just over and over. Really big save. Really big save. Really big save. That's all I say in this podcast. Right? (laughs) I feel like a broken record. The Barkov line, though, they look really good in this game. They're cycling the puck well and creating space out of seemingly nothing as the Red Wings are skating hard to keep up with the Cats' puck movement. These Wings are, once again, so improved. I mean, I talked about this last year after seeing them so often during the regular season. You could see their tangible improvements as a hockey team as the season progressed. They look even better this year and much more confident and and sure of themselves. And I think that the Red Wings are going to be a lot of trouble. Like, they've added some some really good youth to this team. They got Pia Suter in there, Lucas Raymond again, a a rookie player, Moritz Sider, who kind of looks like he might be the new Nicholas Lidstrom on this team. I, I hate to compare him to someone like that, but damn, it's the Red Wings. How can I not? These guys are going to be trouble sooner rather than later, for sure. Um, the third period starts with the Panthers on the final minute of a power play. They do not get much generated in this one. Still struggling a bit with this. They kind of 
have games where their power play is money and other games they just look like they're lost out there. Um, this was a strong suit for them last season. So it's not something that they can comfortably fall back on in games when they're struggling to create chances. But honestly, it's not so bad because their defensive play is, is, is tighter than it was last year, for sure. But they're going to have to focus on this come playoff time because as we saw in the playoffs against Tampa Bay, that power play can be a factor. It's not just five-on-five five hockey that matters in the playoffs anymore. you got to get it done on special teams. Um, speaking of special teams, the Panthers, they run into some penalty trouble later on in the stanza, but they manage to kill these ones off. They, they keep the pressure and actually have a crazy sequence where the Wings block six shots. They get robbed a couple of times and they get nothing for their efforts. John Bucigross on the ESPN broadcast was absolutely losing his mind. It was hilarious and entertaining and, and, and wonderful. And I wish more of, we had more of that Goldie's pretty awesome. We have a pretty, we we're pretty blessed with a play by play guy, but up here in Canada, some of the guys are a little bit more reserved, and I, I wish we're, wish we lived in a world where that uh, that was sort of old hat, and we had guys kind of doing what Bucci was doing on this broadcast and just uh, injecting some youth into this, you know, the youths. Uh, unfortunately, though, um, the Red Wings they uh, they use this momentum from these block shots, and they kind of go they go the other way. And with two minutes and forty one seconds left, Mort Cider, the aforementioned Mort Cider. Who, by the way, awesome last name or awesome name in general, Moritz Sider. What a sick name! Love it. Uh, he takes a wrister from the blue line. P.S. Uh, Suter, also aforementioned, whoops, scores his first of the goal of the season on the deflection. Teams exchange some wild chances at the end of the third, but we are off to overtime to decide the winner of this one. OT, uh, it's all Panthers, chance after chance after chance after chance, but they can't finish. Finally, rookie coach Andrew Brunette in his debut game, he makes the obvious choice. He puts. Alexander Barkov and Jonathan Uberdo out there together with Mackenzie Weger. They come down the ice, and as Weger put it, he was just a distraction out there for him because Uberdo makes a sweet little pull-up play, floats the extra sauce, mac and cheese, greasy book biscuit over to Barkov. He's streaking to the net. Barkov deeks in a phone booth and backhands it past Nadelkovich for the sweet little finish and the 3-2 victory. Eight straight wins for the Cats to start the season. Hubi and Barkey are just money. Three-on-three borderline unstoppable. Congrats to Andrew Brunette for his first win as an NHL head coach in his first NHL game as a head coach. Main takeaways in this one, OT does not happen without Bob. He made so many highlight reel saves in this one. Both goalies played great this game. They it easily could have been 7-6 to six by the end of it. I know I sound like a broken record on this podcast. Again, praising Bob, but how can I not? He's just, he's just dominant in all facets. It's, it's the only way he can be beaten right now these days is via deflection or some breakaway or something. He's reading the puck off the stick like never before in a Panthers jersey. And when the time came, the horses got the job done for the Panthers. Third line had a really a few really good chances, but Burnett throws Uberdo and Barkov out there. He knows what they can do, and they get it done almost immediately to continue the winning streak, and hopefully they start path, start the path to moving on from the hand that they've been dealt lately and what's been transpiring with the team. And the last game of the month of October for the Cats was in Boston to face the Bruins for the second time this week, looking to extend their winning streak at the start of the season to... Nine games. That's right, folks. Nine games. Second time we see Boston this week. This time Boston, just a night after defeating the Red Wings in overtime. So it's going to be a little bit more challenging for the Panthers after traveling last night. 
Linus Hallmark back in net again for the Bruins as Spencer Knight gets back between the pipes for the Panthers. First period, looking for a seventh straight win, by the way, to start his career. Um, first period is mostly Bruins, although the shots were even, but the Bees had the overwhelming amount of quality chances before Charlie Coyle he takes the puck on the hash marks, rips it top cheese over Knight's shoulder for the one nothing Bruins lead. Less than a minute to go in the first. But the Cats, they bounce back, bounce back real quickly in the, in the second period. 40 seconds in. Verhage finds Duclair at the, blue, at the Bruins' blue line. He makes a nifty little move to get into the center of the ice and risks it past Allmark to tie the game at ones. Duclair's sixth goal of the season already in just nine games. He had 10 goals in 43 games last season. So quite the pace for the Pont Claire uh, Quebec-born winger. Thomas Nosek, he gets in alone on night just a few minutes after that Panthers goal. He just gets it past Knight's legs, but uh, the young goaltender gets some help from his crease as the snow inside the crease stops the puck from crossing the line. The game remains tied. Whew. A little sigh of relief there. Panthers really took it, took it over in the second period. They dominated the shots and really pestering the Bruins with chances, but Allmark making save after save to keep keep the game tied. Cats get a man advantage midway through the third, and they once again click quickly as Ekblad draws a defender to him, finds Uberdo, who whips a laser over to Barkov, and he one-times it past Omar for the 2-1 lead. Ekblad, with his second assist of the night, now has nine points and nine games to start the season by far. His most impressive offensive output, output to start a campaign. Panthers power play looks to sort of be improving after the Andal area. Again, they're... they're, uh, they're Struggling at times. It seems like if they don't score in the first 10 seconds or the last 10 seconds, they're not going to score. So that's just the way the Panthers' power play seems to be going. Bruins get a power play of their own, and Patrice Bergeron, he finds Charlie McAvoy streaking into the far side. Uh, He scores his first goal of the season, ties the game. Cass got caught puck-watching a bit again here, similar to the Giroux play we saw earlier in the week. Just uh, not picking up the extra man, but worse, not even paying attention to him. Uh, this they can't do this. I don't know why they're focusing so much. This is very noticeable. It was almost the exact same play. Just uh, McAvoy was a little closer to the net. That's it. Uh, that goal would prove to be costly as the game went to overtime where nothing was solved. Cats see their first shootout of the year. Charlie Coyle is the only goal scorer of the shootout as Owen Tippett, Alex Barkov, and Jonathan Huberto all failed to get a puck past Allmark. Bruins win 3-2 in the shootout. The winning streak is over. They move to 8-0-1. The point streak continues, but the winning streak is over. Spencer Knight's winning streak to start his career also over. Main takeaways in this one, Ekblad and Uyghur, another strong game despite playing almost 30 minutes the night before in Detroit and over 25 minutes in this game. These two are absolute horses, but I can't lie. It concerns me a little bit. We're not even 10 games into the season these guys are being relied upon quite heavily. Brunette seems to be using them just about as much as Q was, although Q never got them up to like the 29, 30 mark like Brunette did in Detroit. Not too much of a change, but I think it highlights this team's need for at least one extra guy on the back end to help alleviate some of this ice time. A little more a defensive, responsible player that can be trusted to play against teams' top lines. At this rate, both these guys could be worn down by the time the playoffs come around and... This team has shown that they can't afford to lose Ekblad for any long stretch of time, despite Uyghur stepping up so well. It's not that the team isn't good, but you need your best to beat the best in the AHL. And the Panthers, they need both of them to be healthy and ready to go come playoff time. They do. But that's going to do it for me this week, folks. Thank you so much for joining me, Brunswick, for another installment of Project Panthers. 
a little bit more emotional than usual, but we we carry on because we must. I I thank Kyle Beach for being so courageous, and him willing to come forward will will give others strength and courage to do the same. I, I know it will. Please remember to send your questions into projectpantherspod at gmail.com. The Panthers are back in action on Thursday against their old Southeast Division rivals, the Washington Capitals, with the red-hot Alex Ovechkin as he continues his pursuit of the NHL goals record, chasing down Wayner, Wayne Gretzky. Remember to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all that nonsense by searching Project Panthers. Got Cats got to keep going. It's, it was a hell of a week, but it's going to keep season progresses so they just got to keep going put their heads down and play some good hockey like they have been i am brunswick thank you once again for joining me on project panthers have a week